Welcome to the Adventure Days podcast, where I show you how to travel the world and create the life that you deserve. From travel inspiration to self-improvement and more, Adventure Days has you covered. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Brendan Burns, and welcome to another episode of the Adventure Days podcast. Today, I have joining me Krista Romano from Krista Bella Travels. How's it going, Krista? It's going great. Thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, my pleasure. So we're going to be talking a lot about Krista's experience as a digital nomad, ditching the nine to five, traveling the world. And we were going to start right off and jump right in with a crazy story that Krista had for us, right? Yes. <laughs> so I don't even know this story. So go ahead and take the floor. Um, it's pretty embarrassing, but mm-hmm. also it's my best story in life, let alone being a great travel story. So um, go ahead. Okay. I almost can't believe that I'm like leading with this. This is really <laughs> ridiculous. Um, okay, so the story begins with me traveling in India. Um, I had just left a job and a life that I was living in Thailand, um, and I was about to go home. So being in India was like my ultimate dream. I had a whole month to be there, and I was just super excited. Um, so India is a really overwhelming place. If, have you ever been to India? I've been, I've been two times once for like, kind of like the big trip. Sounds like what you did. And then I went back quickly just for a friend's wedding. So for me, having lived in Thailand, even going to India was like the craziest culture shock ever. I don't know what your experience was, but, um, I found it to be a very intense place. So, uh, to get to the point, this story ends with me going viral on Buzzfeed. <laughs> so, okay. As so, long as it doesn't end with you in the hospital, <laughs> all I was worried about. Uh, yeah. It was like a close call actually. So <laughs> oh, no. anyway, to get to the point. All right. So, um, so I'm in India. It's my second day there. It's like my dream to be there. And I get Where there. In India? Um, I originally flew into Delhi. Okay. And then, um, Delhi was super intense. I was with my friend Stacy mm-hmm. and, uh, we were just like, Whoa, like, I think we need to find somewhere that's a little less intense to begin our trip. So this travel agent recommended a place called Rishikesh, which is, uh, like seven hours on the train North of Delhi near the, right next to the Himalayas. It's like a gate gateway town. Yes. Apparently for the Beatles did yoga. Uh, did you yep. go there? I didn't go there, but I know a lot about Rishikesh. It's very well known for like the yoga sort of detaching from the Western society type. Yeah, Yeah. sure. So you would imagine that it would be this like relaxing place, but no, not at all. Still very much like intense India. Yeah. So, um, and also just being like two short blonde girls, we are just sticking out like sore thumbs everywhere that we go. And, uh, adds to the intensity right so um anyway we're wandering around and we're like this isn't what we expected we don't really know what to do we were kind of hoping to chill and we're just again in like this city with like cows everywhere (laughs) so um we okay so i think there's four tourists in the whole city including you guys including stacy and i so we're wandering around and we meet one of them um his name is martin and he's from atlanta and he is like oh yeah i've been uh shout out to martin by the way i hope he sees this um anyway martin is like oh yeah i've been driving around on my motorcycle for six months in india and like i know this place if you want something to do that's really cool and cultural you have to go to the puja ceremony which is by this big temple at the river Mm-hmm. So Stacy and I are like, we don't know what else to do. So sure, we'll try to find this ceremony. Yeah. Of course, we get lost going there. And uh, 
finally we find this with this ceremony it's underway and uh again it's like intense so just to paint the picture of what this ceremony was like uh first of all it's at the ganges river um which for any listener who doesn't know about the ganges river it's the holiest river in the world as they say mm-hmm. um i think what the tradition is is that if you go to the ganges river 24 hours after you die then that is a way for you for your soul to reach nirvana So what that translates into in like an actual practice is that people, when their family members die, um, if they want to try to help their family member's soul, then they will put the body on a raft and burn it and float it down the river. So not everyone in India can afford to have all the materials that they need um, to fully burn the bodies. So what I knew about this river was that there were like dead bodies in the river. Um, this is actually like, so, um, yeah, this is all just like a lot of background. Information. Go on. <laughs> um, so anyway, but I was like upstream from the city where, where the mo- most of the funerals happen, a, a city called Varanasi, which is like way further South. Yep. In Rich Cash up near the mountains. <clears throat> And that's where I was. Um, but because it was near the source of the river, this river is huge. It's like bigger than any river. I don't know, bigger than any river I've ever seen. And it's rushing. Um, yeah. And so the river, which is where the ceremony was going down, is this huge six-story high tiered orange temple with these massive like semicircular stairs that are leading to the river. So, okay, so we find this ceremony and I have like my nice camera with me and I'm like, (laughs) this is India. Like, this is amazing. This is so cool. Like, I'm in the most cultural thing ever. Like, so I am super excited about these photo opportunities and um, I lose my friend in the crowd and I start like wandering through the people and taking pictures of everything, everything, everything. Yeah. Um, So after I am probably like 10 minutes into like just being totally snap happy, I realize, Oh my God, I'm being so obnoxious. Like (laughs) this is like a funerals and ceremony. (laughs) This wasn't a funeral. Actually, this is embarrassing. I still don't know what the puja ceremony was for. Um, But uh, yeah, anyway, I just, it was just beautiful. Like everyone was wearing colorful saris and there was candles and the temple and the river and like just full on experience. Um, so anyway, once I realized that I was being really annoying, I was like, okay, Krista, put down the camera and just be a good traveler, like soak it in and like take in your surroundings. Yep. So, um, so that's what I do. So I'm not taking any pictures. I'm just kind of like looking around, trying to blend in which is the best part about this whole story i'm literally trying to like lay low so um i notice that people are um they have these like banana leaf things and this candle on the leaf a lit candle and they're doing this like thing where they're kind of like waving the candle around with their hand once or twice and then they're passing it to the person next to them So I'm observing and observing and like trying to be a good traveler. And then someone hands me the candle thing. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, so I I can do this. I like wave the thing around and I try to pass it to someone and then they don't take the thing. 
Yeah. And then I, then I'm like, all right, I'll try to pass it to this person. They didn't take it. I tried to pass it to somebody else and nobody was taking this thing from me. Okay. So I was like, what am I supposed to do with this thing? Like I'm okay. So then I noticed that people are putting them, they're like eventually making their way down through the crowds to the, to the, um, the water and they're being floated down the river. Okay. So I'm like near ish to the bottom of the stairs anyway. Um, but I didn't want to go near the water because again, the story had told you previously, I just, I didn't think it was like going to be good for me to, to have, uh, to just be in the Ganges water at all. And also I had just gotten a tattoo on my ankle like two weeks before. So oh, cool. like it wasn't, it was, it was healed, but at the same, it was like the tiny one. So it was healed, but at the same time, I just, I didn't want to get it wet and I didn't want to get it wet in the Ganges river. Right. But at the same time, no one was taking this thing and I didn't want to be disrespectful by putting it on the ground. So I thought, all right, like when in India, just like, You've been watching for a while. Just put the thing at the bottom of the river. Yeah. So I go down to the bottom step. And uh, again, remember this, this river is like rushing. So you can't really like see through the water, but I'm pretty confident I'm on the bottom step. But anyway, I take the leaf and I bend down to the water and I put it at the very edge. Only my toes are wet. And it just kind of like goes out into the water and then it comes right back in next to me. Like it just like floated around me and then got stuck on the stair. Was anybody like watching you, like encouraging or discouraging what you're doing? No one was communicating with me at all. I think maybe some people were kind of like one, the, my biggest experience in India was just like everyone staring at me all the time. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think I was just like, everyone's just staring at me cause I'm like, I just look really different than everyone here. Right. Um, they probably were just wondering what the hell I was doing in this ceremony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was wondering too. Um, so anyway, so I pick up the thing to put it yeah. a little bit deeper into the water. Yeah. And when I stepped I wasn't on the bottom stair and I fell like plunged, fell into the river, like full on submerged in the rushing Kanji's river. (laughs) My first question is, did the technology survive? No, nothing survived. Uh, I don't even know how I survived. Yeah. Um, That's probably more important. (laughs) So, so I was so scared. Like I was, I I fell down the stairs. So I'm like tumbling and, uh, and I, I actually like blacked out exactly what happened after that. I think I was so scared that I was like going to ruin all my stuff. I was, something was going to, my tattoo was going to get affected, but I was going to drown like all these scary things. Um, so next thing I know, I'm standing on the, on the stairs and I think the people around me must've like grabbed me and and taken me out. But you Um, don't even remember, you've really like blacked it. You're like, no, like I, I literally, cause I mean, I think I would remember if I crawled out. Wow. But so you really in some know. Kind of like, <laughs> kind of like panic shock mode. Where, like, cause yeah. I've had that where yeah. I don't even recall a situation cause you're just in such uh, fight or flight or whatever. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Total panic mode. Um, so yeah, next thing I know, I'm like standing on the, on the shore of the river 
or the stair and uh my friend Stacy finds me and she's like oh my god what happened to you like why are you soaking wet and I was like I don't know what to do like I I fell in the river and my camera my phone my passport because I'd had all my important stuff with me like everything oh no so I'm like shaking like I don't know what to do and I'm like I'm like am I going to die like I think I might die and so She's like, I don't know what to do either. Like, maybe we should just sit down for a second, regroup, and and figure it out. Yeah. I'm like, okay. So, because I didn't, I don't know if the options were like, go to the hospital, go to an, an electronic store that I knew was up the street, and get my phone dried out, or um, go to take a shower. So I didn't know what to do first. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, so we decided to sit down and regroup. So I'm sitting on the ground next to this temple and like the ceremony is ending and everyone's walking by me, like looking at like, who is this crazy, like white girl that's <laughs> <laughs> indulging in the ceremony. Yeah. Um, and so I'm like laughing, also crying, like dumping water out of my bag. Oh no. So the fourth tourist in the town. Yeah. Like, French girl comes up to me and she's like, Hey, you're the girl that fell in the river. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, thanks for noticing. Like I'm yeah. soaking wet, obviously like not having time for this like chit chat right now. Yeah. And she's like, no, no, I was filming the ceremony and I caught the whole thing on camera. Uh-oh. You fell into the middle of the frame <laughs> and she shows us the video and it's, perfect it's oh, like perfectly timed all right so first of all where can i <laughs> you can google blonde girl falls into ganges river <laughs> oh my god <laughs> that's my youtube page um so fully uh, autofill i just started typing it <laughs> whoa this is you yeah <laughs> like oh i see you just wait no, no, no. <laughs> oh my God. You're like, you have the whole Google. Oh, yeah. Everybody listening, Google, mm-hmm. well, can I promote this or is this shameful? I mean, literally, like, it's on, the, it's on the top of my mind because I went to a party last night. Um, that of, of like an old friend and there was a girl there that I didn't know that was her friend and was like, and my friend Anna is like, Oh, this is Krista. And she's like, Oh, are you the girl that fell in the river? And I'm like, yeah, literally this happens to me. It was two and a half years ago. And like every time I meet someone that knows me through someone else, this story comes up. You're going to be like, <laughs> years. you're like granddaughter is going to come home with like her boyfriend. And she's like, Oh my God, your grandma's the lady who fell in the game. You're the blonde like, girl that fell in the game. Yeah, so, um, oh so needless to say, uh, this video was, I mean, like, it was perfect. Like, it's like, I literally fall into the middle of her frame, right? And it cuts off right at the point where I'm like in it. Right so as you I don't fall, even, yeah. I don't even have like a visual record of, of what happened. So we'll never know who of like how you got up and stuff. Yeah, we'll never know who my savior was, but, uh, but that's okay. So anyway, so she sends this video yeah. and, um, it came in like a few days later. So by that point I thought this story was hilarious and I was like worried that the, that the video wasn't going to come in. Right. Like, no one's going to believe this ridiculous story. Like <laughs> I'm never going to be able to like, 
like tell the story and like have it live on without like having this video component to it. So mm-hmm. anyway, finally the video comes in and I'm like, all right, this must be shared with people I know. So yes. I put it on my Instagram and I linked it to Facebook and that was all I did. I went to bed and there's like a 12 hour time difference. I wake up the next day and there were 4,000 views on the video. Oh my God. 200 comments on it. And this is just on my private, like my, I think my Instagram was like private at the time. Yeah. Um, Like on my private accounts and everyone I know is like coming out of the woodwork being like, this is amazing. Like, (laughs) why isn't this on YouTube? Um, And so, uh, so I, uh, by popular demand i put it on youtube and then my good friend margaret was like i need to put this on reddit i'm like i don't know what reddit is like go for it yeah. she puts it on reddit it goes viral on reddit it like was on the front page of reddit the next day it was on the front page of nine gag it ended up on ellen tube um oh it like went like not like maybe as viral as some other things that have gone viral but like it went viral um <laughs> If you if you start typing in like the <laughs> you're like autofilling, that's that's pretty viral. Yeah. So and then it came back to haunt me again. So that happened in July of 2015. Yep. And then in about this time, two years ago, December 2015, BuzzFeed came out with the 22 or 23 most painfully awkward things that happened in 2015. Uh. And I'm on the list. <laughs> You know, it's crazy because this, I'm just looking at this. You, you have nine uh, subscribers to your YouTube channel, but you have 17,000 views on that video. <laughs> Talk about like a ratio of... <laughs> I don't know if I have any other videos on my channel. Yeah. I, I hope like, I don't actually. Because <laughs> if I do, uh, I don't remember what they yeah. were. That's your only video. Yeah. So um, go ahead, like promote it. <laughs> That's well, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, You're welcome. And I hope the rest of India was maybe more uh, peaceful. It got better by the end. If anyone wants to go to Ham- uh, India, Hampi, best place I've ever been. So that's one what, good recommendation. What's Hampi? Hampi, it's this, uh, it's like, mm, like south and middle, um, about like a 12 hour, really rocky, scary bus ride from Goa. But um, yeah, Hampi is this like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's um, it like if you're like squinting or you don't have your glasses on, it might look like there are like small rolling hills or small mountains, mm-hmm. but it's actually all these like massive piles of huge boulders. And in the middle of all of these boulders are either like a Hindu or Muslim temple. And um, it's just like a very chill, quiet place where there's like a lot of like hippie guest houses and beautiful rice fields. And then this very like mysterious landscape and, um, oh, it was just amazing. Wow, yeah. That, so awesome. that kind of like made the whole trip to India, that one place. So go there. If you go back. All right. Very cool. So we've now got your story about going viral in the Ganges <laughs> river. Why don't we take a step back and you know, <laughs> are you where are you from and how did you get on to this adventure of becoming you know a digital nomad and you were an expat and all these things sure okay so I'll just do a brief summary um so yeah I'm originally from Boston which is where I am today um it's just about Christmas time so I'm home visiting my fam um yeah originally from Boston like born and raised went to college here um once I graduated I 
I thought I was never going to travel again, which is so ridiculous. So, um, cause like I wasn't going to have winter breaks or spring breaks or anything like that. So yeah. I thought moving to New York city was going to be the, the next best thing, but like at least if I were in New York, like all the neighborhoods are different. It's so cultural and exciting. And so I moved to New York, lived there for three years, loved it. Um, Where I still, in New York were you? Um, I was in West village and East village. Oh, great. Those are like two of my favorite areas. Yeah. Um, there, yeah. New York is great. And I still believe that like living in New York kind of allows you to sort of travel every day. Um, if you're looking for it. Um, anyway, so lived in New York for, for, you know, years and I love that city so much, but at the same time, um, I found myself in a situation where I really didn't like my job and I didn't feel like it was going anywhere. I was, um, I was doing PR. Okay. Travel PR, which was always like what I ultimately wanted to do. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I found that job to be kind of depressing because like the travel that I was writing about just wasn't what I wanted to be doing. Like I want to be having adventures in India. And instead I was writing about like restaurant week in Bermuda. And I was like, this is not not my style. I just got, um, (laughs) I didn't even like describe that. Someone's sending me like Destinations Magazine or something. Yeah. just like a brochure for like $20,000 Rolexes and like mm-hmm. all inclusive, um, you know, Bermuda type stuff. Like, yeah, not the I travel. Think, yeah. I still have friends that, that are doing travel PR and like it, I think if it's, if it's your style to like do luxury travel and like stay in nice hotels and stuff, which there's nothing wrong with that. Obviously. I don't know why I just like prefer to live out of a backpack, <laughs> but, um, anyway, that's just me. So, um, yeah, like I just felt like I wasn't living an authentic life and I wasn't happy, like not ever being able to travel the way that I wanted to. Cause first of all, I was broke living in New York, like kind of working at an entry level job, um, and, uh, never having enough vacation time to go to the place I really wanted to. So one day I thought I need to change this and, um, so my idea was to move to Thailand <laughs> and uh, which is like, I realize a pretty extreme idea, but how did you, how out. And not, you know, not so originally hard. I was like, I should move to Australia because I can get a working holiday visa. And right. then I remembered, Oh yeah, I'm still broke. Like it's still really expensive to get there. And like, if I don't find a job right away, then I don't know. And so after doing a lot of research, um, I, I found that, um, it was easy for college educated, um, na- uh, native speaking people yeah. to, yeah, native English speaking people to, um, get English teaching jobs in Thailand. Right. And, uh, that like, you didn't necessarily have to commit to any time length and, um, that you could live very well on a, on a low salary and you didn't need a lot of money to survive if you didn't get a job right away. So that's what I decided to do. Um, so uh i was gonna give you like a five second summary and i totally didn't do that i'm like going in (laughs) in, in um anyway so so. i'd love to just hear like because i'm i'm fascinated by like how we make decisions and how we overcome like fearful situations yeah for someone to just say you know and, and this is like something that i struggled with a lot i was when I was, I used to work on Wall Street in New York City, and obviously now I have my own business and I travel full time myself. 
when I left that job, it wasn't just about the money and the fear of doing something like totally different and risky potentially, but it was also a lot about, you know, not conforming to society, getting a lot of pushback from family, from friends, even from coworkers. And I'm curious because it seems like you really like just seamlessly like went for it and had a lot of strength and ability to just do that with conviction. And I'm curious how you developed that strength. And if there were, was any fear, like how did you overcome that for maybe someone's listening right now and they're in a similar situation and they're like, wow, Krista, that's awesome. But I could never do that. They actually could, but like, why are they saying they never could? And what allowed you to just do it? That is an excellent, excellent question. Um, I don't know. Like, uh, okay. So something just about my personality. I, if I decide that I want something, I get complete tunnel vision on it. Like I can't think about anything else. Um, and I just, I, I don't know, like I, I, from, from the time that I made the decision that I wanted to move somewhere to when I like found myself in Thailand, like working at a school, I was like, what just happened? Like, it was like every, nothing else that had happened over the last several months, like mattered. I was just like going through the steps. Like I, I was here and then I need to do this and I need to do that. And I was just super focused on it. So, um, for someone that like, can't be super focused on something, I don't know. Like, um, but I guess, I don't know. I'm, I guess I just, I, I believe in living a happy life and I wasn't happy and I knew that I wanted these things. I wanted to travel Mm -hmm. and um, I just was rationally like, how can I achieve this thing that I want? And like I said, I didn't have any money. I didn't have any vacation time. Um, I just, this was my option. So um, I mean, maybe like, now I would say I've kind of like built my situation up to a position where like, if someone were like, Oh, I want to do what you're doing right now. Um, which I'm like, I'm working full-time for, um, for a U.S. based company, but they will just, they don't care where I am. So I just travel all over the world and I like make good salary and like, everything's great. So if someone were like, I want to do what you're doing right now, I, I don't, I, I wouldn't necessarily be able to be like, Oh yeah, just like do this. Um, I guess I just, maybe it was a little bit out of desperation that I chose that path. Um, but also just like, I don't know, just committing to the idea of if you want something just just, you have to just get it because no one is going to, no one's going to give it to you. No one's going to, no one's going to give you the motivation. You have to find that internally. No one's going to, give you a step-by-step guide to doing something because that doesn't exist. And like, I've looked for it a lot. Um, every, every person's situation is different. Every financial situation, every family situation, every like visa situation, like there's no one answer to freeing your life. So it just takes a lot of research. And when you find the thing that you think could work, um, I believe leap and then that will appear. And I don't know, you just, you just have to fucking go for it. No, I'm I'm just so glad you said that because I, like I preach this so much and and for you guys who are listening right now, like 
when I was um, in college, and this isn't like a motivating story at all, but I, I, I really, for, for whatever reason, I just wanted to work in investment banking. That was like my dream at the time. And I went through um, undergraduate, like I was at Cornell undergrad, and I interviewed with like literally 30 or 40 banks. And I remember interviewing at Lehman Brothers, literally as they were going bankrupt. Like I just told this story the other day where... I checked my phone and the stock price was at eight and then they interviewed me and I came out and the stock price was at four and then they called me back for the final round interview and the stock price is at two. And I'm like, guys, I'm good here. Like, I don't oh. think they're like, no, 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 it's fine. We're gonna be fine. And then I'm literally in the final round interview with the guy and the stock price is at like less than a dollar. And like both of our phones are out and we're just like sitting there together watching the company go bankrupt. And it's like, all right, I'm probably not going to be working here in either of this <laughs> And, but I, but seriously, like I was told no so many times by all these banks that, so I went to business school and then I was just like so hungry, so motivated. And I didn't like, everyone told me not to do it. Everyone told me it was too risky. I didn't, you know, I didn't have the training, the background, whatever. And, and I just like totally dove all in. Like you said, the tunnel vision, like that really stood out to me as something Mm -hmm. I had then. And then later in life, when I wanted um, like my own business and I wanted to travel and I wanted to have like the freedom and happiness that you're talking about, I was getting really frustrated and I felt really stuck. And I was just thinking, just do what I did back then when it was like, it it wasn't like I should do this. It was like, I must, I have to, and I'm not going to let anyone stop me. And I'm going to try, I'm never going to give up and you just go and you just keep going. And I just really connect with that because that's allowed me to get to where I am. And I talk to people all the time now who are like, Brendan, you have like a bazillion Instagram followers and you have your own business. And like, I want that, but you know, it's too hard or I can't. And I'm like, well, it tells me you don't want it badly enough. And, and everyone wants like the secret cheat code, like the one little button that I clicked on that made me, you know, 500 grand a year or whatever. And there's no secret trick. It's just being totally relentless and in pursuit of exactly what you want. Yeah. I think knowing what you want to is, is a big thing. So yeah, you just, you know, cause it, if you know what you want, then you can kind of see that end goal and like try to find different paths to get there. Um, so yeah, definitely. Well, awesome. I'm, I'm happy for you that you've like gotten, you know, to a point where you're, you're, uh, feeling good about what you're doing. Oh, <laughs> totally. I mean, like my job. So I can't complain. Yeah. So great. Um, so anyway, I wanted to ask you, so I have a lot of questions. Um, we were, I, I'd love to hear about the whole Thailand experience. Um, I also know that you said that the way you sort of, cause you mentioned like your why and like what made you want to have this bucket list mentality. And you said that there were some things in your past that um, helped think yeah. about how you your perspective. I don't know if you're ready to talk about that. Sure. Yeah, no, I, okay. So I actually think, I do think that this is a big component that, um, which is something that I have that maybe not everybody relates to, but, um, uh, I also think that just like, as I said before, I believe in like living a happy life. Um, I have come really close a couple of times to being in a situation where like maybe I could have lost everything. Um, you never know when your life is just gonna not be the same or possibly end. Um, yeah. so, uh, yeah, when I was 20, I always wanted, I've always like loved traveling. I remember like my first trip to my family trip to Mexico and being like, Oh, like this is amazing. Like I, I want to see everything. So I've yeah. always had this, I've always had this desire to travel. Um, 
So yeah, when I was a junior in college, I was signed up to go study abroad for a full year. And um, this was, I was studying in Rome. Oh, so you went to Rome for a full year? Uh, well, I didn't. Um, I was supposed to. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, this is this is the this is the story. Um, <laughs> excuse me. So, yeah, so I was, I was supposed to study abroad for the whole year, and um, I was really excited about it. And I was kind of like doing my last goodbyes to all my friend, last goodbyes, like you know, saying goodbye to my friends and stuff. Yeah. And um, I'm not gonna like tell this whole story because like I just I like to tell stories and they can take forever, but. Yeah. The the short version of this story is that I um, sustained a very serious injury, like right before I was supposed to study abroad. I was very drunk one night, uh, like having a party as my kind of like last hurrah. Dove into a pool, hit my head, um, and I broke my neck. It was oh. way less dramatic than that sounds at the time. Like I just it like it like hurt. And I, I think I just like, didn't realize how serious the situation was, but I went to the doctor a couple of days later and realized that like I had fractured two of my vertebrae and, um, that I was going to be in a neck brace for at least 12 weeks and, uh, definitely couldn't go to Rome. And, um, like I was lucky that I wasn't a quadriplegic basically or dead. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that was um that was like a I don't know, a, <laughs> a very like sad difficult painful time, um very humbling time too, like you we realize yeah. we're not um you know, we realize we're, we have a finite time here and uh yes. and that you got to take much. advantage. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, so I remember like at first I just, the fact that I couldn't study abroad was devastating. Like this was my dream and it was, I was so close. Like it was like a week before. Um, so that was just in my like 20 year old mind, just like the most heartbreaking worst situation. It almost didn't even matter that I was like in a neck brace, like that I was in like seriously injured. I just like, I want to study abroad and like, I couldn't. Um, and then like, yeah, just like through the recovery period, which ended up involving like a, a really intense surgery and like, um, yeah, just that throughout that whole time. Um, I, was like very depressed and feeling sorry for myself and just like yeah. thinking like I'm such an idiot and like, like yep. I'm, I hope like I have screwed up this great, this great opportunity and who knows I'm going to get it to do it again. And I'm probably not. Um, and then I don't know, like there was just this day uh, where I guess I started to feel better or maybe it was like, I got a good, like the doctor gave me good news that like I was going to not have a second surgery and that there was an end in sight and that maybe I'd be able to study abroad for the second semester. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I think I just like, I had this day where all of a sudden I realized like, wait, I'm so lucky. Like I can't feel sorry for myself. Like I dodged death and I'm, and I'm going to live to tell the tale and like, I am going to be okay. And like, everything's going to be fine. And I'm so I'm so grateful just to yeah. be alive and to, you know, be able-bodied and 
to be able to continue my life as I, as I always knew it, virtually my life is like unchanged now, except for the fact that I had this revelation this day where I started to feel better. And I, I swore to myself that, um, that, you know, like if ever in my life there were another situation and there's so many ways to go. I realize like, it's not just an accident. Like there's, there's like weird deaths. I mean, like weird illnesses. You can drown at a religious <laughs> ceremony when you're trying to blend in. Nobody pulls you out. You just go. I know. Yeah. That could have, that could have been my, that could have been my final moment. Um, so yeah. So I was just like, like something's going to get me one day. And I, yeah. I swore to, never regret not taking advantage of an opportunity. So what I did was I spent like a full day writing all of the things that I wanted to take an opportunity of. Like if I ever had a chance, I wrote a bucket list and I just like spent all day in bed, like daydreaming, like writing it up in a Google doc. Like what, what would I love to do in my life? And it's like, I think I put a hundred things on it that day. Like it's everything from like, having a tire swing at my first house, if I ever have a house, um, to like going to India and seeing the Taj Mahal or like stuff like that. So, um, so this bucket list, um, I would say is like the big and glowing silver lining around that really difficult experience because this bucket list has completely guided my life for the last 10 years. Um, I've crossed a lot of amazing things off. One of them was like ride an elephant in Thailand, which now I wish I wasn't on there because it's actually a really unethical thing to do. But at the time I was like, I want to ride an elephant in Thailand. That's like a big thing. Yeah. So hopefully you didn't uh, hurt them as much as I would if I went on one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I was with with a friend. They just like pack you on there. It's kind of sad. But but yeah. So anyway, there were just like all these things that were on there that, Um, like, I wonder, I don't know, maybe when, when the time came when I was like, oh, where am I going to live? And I, I saw on my bucket list that like go to Thailand was one of the things Mm. that helped me make that decision. Um, likewise, like India, when I had one month between leaving Asia and moving back home, I was like, where can I go? And I was like, this is my opportunity to go to India. Like, what else am I going to have this much free time to, to go do it. So, um, so yeah, I would say my, like the near death experience and my bucket list are like two big whys about, um, why I live this life. That's amazing. I think everyone listening and I, I want to do this too, like right after you've inspired me to just start like an, a blank Google doc. Definitely and do it. Do like one to a hundred and just fill in like all these things and, and just let that guide because it sounds like you wrote that. And then now when you're ever in a position where you're like, should I do it? Should I like, what's my next move? You just pull it out and you're like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Or do this. If it's and, on the list, yeah. that's the answer. If it's on the list, I have to do it. Yeah. Personal like law. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's been great. that's awesome yeah i just i i totally feel the same way like i i love one of my favorite things to do is watch like really old steve jobs youtube videos where he's like 30 and has like really long hair and he's just like pontificating about how he's been able because you know everyone thinks he was like this super genius 
but he was just like way more of just like a risk taker and like an outside the box, like I don't believe in rules type guy. And I really feel like his psychology was more important than the knowledge that was in his brain. And so I love like, cause he talks about that and he, and he talks a lot about death, especially when he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer because he was diagnosed, I think in like 2003 and he was, he like, he didn't beat it obviously, but he long out survived a typical pancreatic cancer diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And he spent a lot of that time um, sort of preaching. Like he spoke at Stanford's commencement uh, graduation in 2005. And he talked a lot about death and a lot about, you know, rather than just like sort of bury our heads in the sand and like pretend we're not going to die. Why not totally like own it and admit it and then use that as motivation because realistically like yeah maybe i'll be around for another 50 years but if i want to go to india or if i want to do these things wouldn't it be so much better to do them now yes you know yes 100 yes, percent <laughs> do it at 25 then <laughs> thank god i didn't fall in the river when i was 75 and you know what if i do fall in the river when i'm 75 maybe i will reach nirvana and exactly <laughs> that's probably not a bad way to go <laughs> yeah 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 i'm um, thinking about it okay cool so let's talk about um thailand and living the expat life like what was that like when you first moved over there okay so everyone should live in Thailand. It's just the best. I miss it so much. Um, so, um, so what my like process was of getting set up there, like I said, I, I went with a plan to teach English. Like this was a very defined, like I kind of knew what was, what was going to happen. Um, so, uh, cause I, so I had a friend that had just like a few months before, just picked up and moved to China with like without a job and without a plan and like a very, very, very small network. And that like made me anxious thinking about it because I never wanted to be in a situation where I like couldn't figure it out. So, um, having like a bit of a security net, like at least a plan with, uh, some kind of like, you know, expectation for what I'd be doing for work was sad. It was like, yeah, soothing. Um, so, so as a plan, I went there and I got an English teaching certification for the first month that I was there, which I thought was like a great experience. I met awesome lifelong friends, got to live on an island in Thailand for a month. Um, I like went to school from like nine to three and then had the rest of the time free and like everything was awesome. I got acclimated to the lifestyle there and the culture and stuff. And all, all in all, it was a great experience that I don't regret for a minute even though I never ended up teaching English. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I, um, I went to Bangkok because coming from New York city, I thought like I, I, I still need the city life. I don't think I can go like full on into like a, like a village in Thailand. So I was in Bangkok and, um, looking for different jobs. It was kind of in like the middle of the semester. So I think the, teaching jobs that were available were maybe ones that people had left or like ones that weren't so good. So I wasn't really finding anything that really appealed to me. So I thought, all right, well, I only need like to kill one or two months before I can find a good job for the next semester. So I was on Craigslist because Craigslist exists in other countries. It exists all over the world. Um, and, and yeah. And in a place like Thailand, um, it just like, that's a, a name that a lot of foreign 
people know. So um, actually like the Craigslist on Thailand was pretty good. Uh, there was like a lot of good stuff on there. Um, so yeah, I found uh, this job posting for something that I thought was like a blogging position mm-hmm. and called them. Um, they saw my resume, called me right back, had an interview and they're like, okay, are you aware this is a full-time position? Are you aware that it's actually an office job? We're a digital marketing agency. Um, we're like a real estate website. And it, and it was a Thai company? Um, it was like a foreign owned company in Thailand. Um, yeah. so yeah, my, the CEO is from England. So it was a marketing director and like pretty much everyone. Um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, So I pretty much got this like cool job on the spot, which was amazing. And like coming from New York city was like, what is happening? Because in New York, like there's so much competition for everything. Like, even if it's like the worst job, there's going to be a million people after it. So, but this, I, I, I really believe that I was just like, I was in the right place at the right time. And like just being there, just Mm -hmm. being there. I was available for the phone call. I was available for this meeting at Starbucks. Like I was physically there. So that I think was like 90% of the battle. And also I was, I was like, I was suitable for the job. Like I was a good candidate for it. Um, But uh, they were just like, great, she's here. There's not a lot of other people like her. So let's take her in. And um, so I like did for like one month I was there and I was doing just like their digital marketing stuff. They said, oh, we need to launch a a print magazine so we can kind of like reach out to people in Thailand who aren't so keen on digital advertising yet. And um, then I was made editor-in-chief of this glossy luxury real estate magazine. And I was just, that was my job. (laughs) And it was amazing. It was amazing. Um, I have the magazine right there, actually. They're like... Let me see. uh, Okay, I'm going to have to get up from... (laughs) (laughs) Hold on. One sec. All right. On the fly. I didn't have another place to work from today. I just do this call. All right. Thailand Property Magazine. Oh. So, it, so what is that like for people who want to buy? Whoa! Editor in chief, <laughs> what up? In your twenties, yeah. just editor in chief. Twenty twenty five. I was twenty five, twenty six, or no? How old was I? Yeah, I was in. I was in my twenties. I was. I like. I got to. I got to pick the paper quality. I got to decide like what, how many articles we were going to have, what, what the style was going to be like, talk about the branding, how many pages work with the designer, figure out the distribution. I wrote everything in the freaking, I wrote every page. I wrote every word in this thing. <laughs> decided where the mag, decided where the ads were going to go. Like it was, it was a lot of work actually. And it was really stressful. <laughs> um, but it ended up being successful. And what was so cool was just that, like, I got to do that. Like, I, I didn't have experience editing a magazine, yeah. but I was there. And right. that, is, that is the message. I was there. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, anyway, like, living in Thailand, 
living in Bangkok. Yeah, what's so so what's like expat life there? Like, how did you make friends? What did you do on weekends? Like, making friends was so easy. It was awesome. And I am still so close with all my friends that I met in Thailand. Like, we actually meet up in a different country about twice a year for the last two years. Like, I'm actually going to Belfast, Ireland in a week from today because some of them are going to be there. And like, why wouldn't I go see them? Like they're my favorite people in the world. So, um, yeah. So I guess like, it's really easy to spot an expat first of all in Bangkok, like they're not Thai and they're wearing not backpacker clothes. So you're like, (laughs) you are probably an expat. (laughs) Like I, I know what you mean too, though, because like, it's, it's just, I don't know if it's like more socially acceptable or if it's just easier, but like if I'm in New York city on the subway, like everyone's the same and everyone's kind of like doing this with their shoulders. But like when you're traveling, you can be like, Oh, like where are you from? And it's just like so easy to start talking to them because you mm-hmm. already have a huge thing in common that yes. like nobody else has. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, and also like to just kind of bring this back to the beginning of this particular conversation, like what are the qualities and traits that it takes to make a decision like that and to physically get yourself into a a life situation like that. So um, what I found and what I loved most and what I missed most about living in Thailand was that all the people that I met were so like-minded in the best way. Like not that everybody was the same. Everybody came from all over the world. There, There weren't that many Americans there, which was funny. Like most of my friends were from different places around Europe. Um, but like some from the Philippines or like, I don't know, Australia, wherever. Um, so it was really cool being like a super international community that was also very tight knit. Um, and again, cause like there, there were always like special parties for expats or like expat hosted parties that like the whole community, like everyone that was like in their twenties and working would like would go. Um, so you would, I would see the same faces a lot, which was really cool. Something that I never got in New York, um, which I would say is like maybe my one biggest like thing against New York is that it's really hard to find a community where you, you're constantly seeing the same people, yep. especially when you work from home. Um, yeah. So yeah, so I like loved just that community aspect. Everyone was just really cool and like awesome and just down to do whatever. So like yeah. my group of friends there, we would it would be like Thursday and he'd be like, okay, where, where are we all going for drinks? And then it'd be like, what are we doing this weekend? And then we'd be like, should we go to Cosmet or do we want to go to Rayleigh beach or should we go to Chiang Mai? And like, we would just like ticket flights were like 30 bucks. So we would just like go travel and all the like, Oh, oh my gosh. Can you like hear how much I miss it? I just, I really love it. I can't life. even hear you. Cause I'm now like in my <laughs> life, I'm feeling this shift of like really not, not in a bad way, but just, being like, okay, what is 2018 going to look like for me? And how can I make this? Because yeah, I, I like, I live in New York city. Mm-hmm. I have my place that I share with a nine-year-old Chihuahua. Um, you know, a lot of my friends are still in finance. Um, uh-huh. And so they, and they work a ton. So it's hard. Um, and I, and I want to build up a community and a network of more people who are entrepreneurial, who are more, traveling and more more open-minded like this because it's it's just so much fun i mean yeah. to say are we going to go to like ko pp or are we going to go to chiang mai or are we going to go to cambodia this weekend yeah like, yeah exactly what a, what a life that's amazing 
Yeah. So it was amazing. Like I'm going to say not, it wasn't always easy. Of course it wasn't always easy. What were the downsides to being an expat? Um, I would say like number one downside was, um, was a time difference away from like, there were a couple of deaths in my family and like there was a fire at my house, like all this like dramatic stuff happened when I was away. And there were some times where I was just like, heartbroken about how homesick I was like I just I just wanted to be around my family and I couldn't be there it was a 24-hour flight and a $1,200 flight or more that like if you were going to book it last minute um and if I even if I wanted to call someone I basically had like a two-hour window at night and a one-hour window in the morning when someone when people weren't at work and when they were awake so that was really hard um I mean I love my family, I think, and I'm really close to my family. Uh, they're super supportive of my lifestyle, which is amazing. I don't think I'd be able to live it if they weren't really supportive of it. Um, but like for someone that maybe isn't super close to their family, I can see it being easier for them to be that far away. For me, I found that um, that was like a challenge. Um, the language barrier was definitely difficult. I remember like I was in Asia for a year before I came back to visit and I like got out of the, the taxi in New York city. And I asked like, which way is grand central? And the guy was like, Oh, just go straight here and take a left and, and then go straight and you'll see it right ahead. And I was like, oh, I just understood everything that he said. Like, that is so cool. Like I was like mind blown about uh, the fact that I could ask a stranger a question and he could answer me in complete sentences. Like oh, that was really <laughs> wow. Um, so yeah, language barrier was tough. I learned some Thai, but like a pathetic amount of Thai. It's just Thai people know like just enough English, and I think expats know like just enough Thai that we you can kind of like get the message across. Teach us, uh, teach the listeners one word in Thai. Um, well, you should say thank you after everything. Um, thai people are the most polite you will ever yeah. meet in the world. So, Papkun yeah. If you want to be for girls, it's kapkun ka, and for guys, it's kapkun kap. Kapkun kap. Kapkun kap, and you should always. Well, you, why? I guess to you, you know, this is a why, and you say thank you with kapkun ka, and you should bow your head. But I guess depending on where your your hands are, it like signals different things so like if you're what if you're like lying to a monk like your hands should be like up like that um but if it's yeah but if it's to like maybe your your parents then maybe it should be here your grandparents if it's like a friend um the the more respectful the higher yeah and the longer that you hold the ka at the end is also more respectful so there's like so many like nuances with thai language and their culture and, and their body language that it was really difficult to to learn so mm. anyway interesting so, okay cool so so we're talking about the expat life and <clears throat> some of the downsides um i'd love to hear sort of the like i guess the transition obviously to how you got your new job and then definitely like the pros and cons of that setup digital right. note i guess you call it yes uh okay so so there was a weekend when i was in hong kong and it reminded me so much of new york city that i was like I got to go home. This is it. I'm leaving. How long were you in Thailand for? Two years. Wow. Yeah. Um, it, I also like make really spontaneous air, 
uh, impulsive decisions. So um, I also think that that's like been a reason how I've just ended up here um, because I, I don't always like think long and hard about, well, I knew, you know, I was homesick for a while. So, but anyway, I literally was in Hong Kong for a weekend and I was like, this is, this is, this is where I'm going to go. This is the decision. So, um, so yeah, like homesickness got the best of me and I, I left, even though I, I was again, really happy being there, loved my job, loved my friends, loved my life. Like, so, um, uh, like I said, there were, there were also just like a lot of dramatic things that had happened at home while I was away that made me feel like I needed to go home for longer than 18 days, which was the amount of time that I was home the previous year, just for a b- quick visit. Um, yeah. so I was like, I need to move home, but I'm not necessarily ready to commit to moving back home. So right. I thought I'll, I'll go back and I will just be around for this for like the fall. It was like, August, yeah, September when I got back and I thought, okay, by like the next year I'll be somewhere, like I'll be doing something. Um, but I don't want to make any decisions right now. Cause I don't want to like necessarily decide to move back to New York and then be there for a, a month and then be like, what am I doing here? So, yeah. um, so yeah, I kind of went back to just like chill and lay low. I had saved a little bit of money. So I was like, okay, living at home for free and whatever connecting with my family and stuff. Um, but didn't last forever. Uh, so the money anyway, so I came to a point where I was like, I need to find a job. I need to figure out what I'm going to do. So, um, I made a lot of amazing connections when I was in Asia. Like I said, you just, it's like really easy to make friends. You like see someone and you're like, we're friends. Uh, so anyway, um, through my network, I had, um, a job opportunity in Malta. Um, and I was going to move there. Also, I was thinking about moving back to New York, but like, anyway, uh, <laughs> I had like months before I was going to actually move. So I was just looking once again on Craigslist <laughs> for, <laughs> for, for like a random little job to hold yeah. over. Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And, uh, so I applied to, again, like a writing position Mm-hmm. That wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Um, but I got a call back of, of him and, uh, yeah, the guy who interviewed me was like, yeah, so we're actually a startup and we're in stealth mode right now. So we can't really advertise in many places, but, um, this is an opportunity. It's like right now it's a writing gig, but it could turn into something else. Um, if you like it and you know, if it's a good fit. So, um, I already had the opportunity lined up. So I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to make some money in the meantime. So I was pretty much like contract writing for this startup. And then, uh, what does the startup do? We're building an app. Um, it's, uh, I'm not going to say the name cause I'm not sure. Like oh, only whatever you're yeah, like. Okay. Um, oh, I guess I'm going to find it. But anyway, basically we're, we're building an app. It's a productivity tool. Um, it's like a bookmarking tool where you can save links and files in the same place. So that's cool. all these other stuff too, but. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so I, um, was hired as the first marketing employee and ended up not pursuing the job in Malta because this job was going to let me work from home. And, uh, at the time, like before you started, sorry, what did you say? That, that was like set up before you started that they were cool with you working remotely. 
Yeah. Okay. So actually the, the order of um, events, what exactly happened was I was like contract working, um, as a writer and then I had the job lined up and this company knew that I was going to move to Malta like in a few months. Oh, okay. And they were like, well, we're ready to, to hire you as a first marketing employee if you're interested. And at first I was like, no, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to work from home because that sounds boring. Like I'm a really social person and I'm used to working in an office. I'm like, I like having coworkers and, and I loved the expat life. Um, so I actually turned it down and then I continued to be a contract writer, um, still planning on, on going to Malta. And then what was the I, job in Malta? Um, I was going to be at an SEO agency, which was like my first job in New York, which also like, I have like similar skills that would apply to that too. And it seemed like a great job, honestly, like, uh, still sometimes I think about it, like how would my life be if I lived in Malta right now? Um, but, uh, say, uh, for the listeners, SEO is search engine optimization. Yeah. Like tinkering websites and stuff or like copy on websites so that they can be found naturally on Google without paid advertising. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, um, so anyway, so I, was, yeah. I was in Costa Rica for new years Okay. <laughs> and, um, I brought my laptop because I was like, I guess I should just get a little bit of work done while I'm here. Cause my flight was like later than my friends. This mm-hmm. is actually a good story. <laughs> um, so I'm in Costa Rica and I'm like doing my job and I'm like, wait a minute. Like I don't have to work from home. I don't have to have a home. Like I'm, I'm working from home now. I'm just in Costa Rica. Yeah. So that was my epiphany where I decided that actually, can I have a job after all? And, um, <laughs> and then I, then my, my now boss was like, yeah, I mean, we would, we would love to have you. Like if, if you're comfortable with this, like whatever. And I was like, well, it also depends on you. Like I'm in Costa Rica right now. Is that okay with you? Like, is it okay that I'm here? And he was just like, I don't care where you are. He's like, if you're online, when you need to be online, if, and you get your job done, like, I don't care. Wow. So that was my like, yes, this is, this is what I need to decide. This is what I need to do. So I was in Costa Rica. Um, I had a flight home. Um, I had a flight home, but I met all these people that were there that were going to Nicaragua for a Sunday fun day party, which have you been to that? Um, no, but I'm going <laughs> to put that on my bucket list. After it's this. super fun. It's the most fun. It's the most fun. It's awesome. Okay. Um, way better than the full moon party in Thailand. Like way better. <laughs> okay. So I really wanted to go to this party. Yeah. Um, but it was in Nicaragua and my flight was like shortly after it. So I called Spirit Airlines, which is the most amazing thing. The Spirit usually has like terrible, like not caring customer service. Yeah. But um, I told them that I wanted to try to like get a different, like change the flight to leave from Nicaragua to go back home instead of Costa Rica. And the guy on the phone was amazing and was like, you know what? We'll just cancel your flight, give you a refund and you can rebook it yourself. <laughs> I don't know why that happened. That nobody was, ever on Spirit Airlines except I this. I know. <laughs> that was pure luck. Like I like hit the jackpot. So okay. then I was all of a sudden in Nicaragua without a flight home. And I had a job and I had my laptop. And it was a winter. I was oh like, God. I'm not going home. Yes. So, that, so that was how my digital nomad life began. And um, I just, I ended up uh, not going home for another six months. I just like kept traveling around South America oh. and like figuring out as I went. And I like worked from 
I like was working from hostels for a long time. Um, and it was okay. Like I got a co-working space. I like re- I, I learned that the faster that I moved, the more stressed out I was. So I learned that I should try out like be in one place for a month at a time. Right. Um, cause then I could also meet people in an easier way and like pay less money and, and just that. Yeah. Anyway, I just, a lot, there was a huge learning curve those first six months. Um, but it was such an adventure and, uh, I got a lot of work done and yeah. I got paid. So that's, that's awesome. Uh, so <laughs> how did you, um, cause I had a very similar realization in a much less glamorous location. Um, <laughs> I was contacted <clears throat> by a, a beautiful uh, contemporary art museum that actually converted their space into a hotel um, located in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. Oh. And, yeah. And I was like, you know, one of my bucket list things is to hit all 50 states in, in the U.S. So I had not been to Ohio and this guy was offering me, you know, a free stay at their place in exchange for an Instagram post. So I like looked up and this was, I had already quit my day job. So I was like doing my own business, but mostly working from home here in New York city. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, why not? So I, I booked the flight. It was really cheap. I think it was actually spirit, um, because it was like a very random short flight and I, I get there and like, obviously, I mean, Cincinnati is so different from New York city. And I actually, I was very fascinated by it because I don't always need to go to like the coolest place. Like I can just go to a random place and it's sort of like a sociological case study. And I sort of observe and that fascinates me. And, but I also like you, I had my laptop. So I check into this hotel. They give me like the biggest suite because they want me to put on Instagram, like all yeah. the cool stuff. And I, I put all my stuff in the bedroom and then I have this huge suite with like uh, this like round sort of almost like a swing. I'm not explaining this well, but it had a big desk and like a workspace. And I just like plop my uh, computer down. I Googled like, you know, top 10 things to do in Cincinnati. I visited the ballpark where the Reds play, the football stadium, the river, the, the Ohio river, the food market. And I did that like in the morning and then I came back to the suite and I just uh, started working on my laptop, like without even like realizing it. And I do a couple hours of work and it was like really productive. And then I'm like Googling like best dinner. And I go to this place called Mr. Sushi, which is amazing. Um, mm-hmm. Shout out to Mr. Sushi in Cincinnati, Ohio. I went every night that I was there uh, for dinner. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> uh, but um but I was just like, wait a minute. It was like a Wednesday to Sunday trip. And I rented a car and I actually drove through Kentucky and over the Indiana border into West Virginia. I flew home from West Virginia, visited like four states in four days and got like just as much work done, if not more on this trip. And I was, and, and I put my apartment here in New York on Airbnb. So someone was like staying in here and like, I got back and it was totally clean. And I made like crazy amount of money because like a New York City apartment Mm -hmm. yeah and I was just like so I basically got paid to work and visit four states and like just ball out and like why not why wouldn't you keep doing that (laughs) yeah so now it's like when people ask me like because I'm going to like Santiago Chile in February I'm going yeah I'm going to all these places next year and people are like, well, what are you going to do there? And I was like, well, I'm just going to work and meet people and just travel. And, but, but the question I wanted to ask you was, how do you, because, you know, the expat lifestyle, I get how you can really build a community and a friend group and everything. Mm-hmm. If you're in place for a shorter amount of time, do you have any advice on like how to make it more social? Um, 
Okay. Yeah. Good question. So not everyone's down for this. I'm a big advocate for staying in hostels and like, they don't, they are not like that creepy movie (laughs) that like I, everyone like it's only Americans that are scared of hostels. And I swear to God, it's because of this stupid horror movie that I've never seen, but like, I don't know why I would go out of my way to see that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's basically a built-in community. Um, it can be like a little difficult to get work done, I guess, when there's so many other travelers around. Um, cause people be like, Oh, like, do you want to get a beer? And I'm like, it's three o'clock on Wednesday. Like I have work to do, so I can't. <laughs> um, cause I actually do work nine to five. Um, so yeah, I, which actually, I actually kind of appreciate, like kind of makes me focus and like get my stuff done. Um, but anyway, so, but I'm just, I can like leave and go to a coffee shop all day or something. And then when I come back at five, then all of a sudden I'm on vacation and there's other travelers around that I can like hang out with. Um, so that's cool. But then, I mean, I guess I don't really stay in hostels that much anymore now that it's like two years later and I'm still doing this. Um, because, uh, well, I was very happy to discover that there are a lot of co-living like co-work, I guess a co, co-living, co-traveling communities that are out there. Um, the company that kind of pioneered this industry is called Remote Year. For anyone listening, that's probably like the one that most people have heard of. Um, right. You like sign up for a full year and you travel to a different place every month and you're with all other people who also work from their laptops. For me, right. that was like a bit of like too much of a commitment because the, I just... I'm. I'm just too impulsive of a person. Like if I want to go somewhere tomorrow, I'm going to go. And like, I don't want to be committed to a full year kind of thing. Um, so anyway, I joined a company called the Wi-Fi tribe, which lets you shout out to Wi-Fi tribe. You guys are great. Um, like you, you can join for a month at a time. Um, there are also lots of other companies out there that are doing similar things and there are more popping up like literally every month. There's another one. Mm -hmm. Um, which is so amazing to see that this lifestyle is catching on and more companies that are out there that, that help people like foster connections and stuff. Um, the more people that are going to do it and the less weird it's going to become because it's weird for some people still. Um, but yeah, so, so that, that like I've traveled with them three times Um, and each time I met like 20 amazing people who all have the same lifestyle as I do. So, um, with, and also like I met a ton of people in Thailand, I'm almost at a point now where like, even if I wanted to travel alone, I kind of can't cause I like know so many people that are doing the same thing. And, um, Instagram has been such an awesome networking tool for me that like people can see where I am. We met. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, so now like, I don't know, I guess I just, now it's, it's not really so much of an issue for me, but at the beginning, um, hostels were like the easiest way and some of them are super, super nice. Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate what you said about that because, um, I, I never really still like ball out and stay at five star hotels until my Instagram went viral. And then now I get a lot for you to be there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're free. So it's like, why not? Yeah, sure. I would too. No, but then I started getting, um, you know, I stayed at five star hotels in actually Bangkok, put me up a really nice one. 
um, and, and, you know, and all over the world. And, and it was great, especially when I was with a friend, cause I would be like, oh yeah, we just need like two beds. I'm bringing like my photographer and it would be like one of my friends. And they were like, who are you, Brendan? Like, and, like my friends loved it. Um, yeah. but then I did one or two where I was by myself and I, um, and I was like, it's cool that it's free, but I'm like really lonely. Mm. And, and so I was actually, I went to Myanmar earlier this year and uh, I just, I stayed in a hostel more because like there, that was kind of the only option for like mm. a decent accommodation. I was in Bagan, which is like a pretty uh, small place. And there was, the country was actually closed down for like the past 50 years. Yeah. So, yeah. So they don't have a lot of hotels and stuff. Um, so I just booked <clears throat> this hostel that was like actually written up to be like nicer than the hotels in the town. And I got a single so I could like, you know, not have a 20 bunk bedroom. Because that's a thing, which a lot of people don't realize either, is that you can get private rooms in hostels. Yes. I got a private room and it was really nice. And, but like I had my laptop and I would just come down and like hang on the lounge. And also like most hostels organize like tours and bar mm-hmm. crawls. So I just like signed up for the three different things I had that week. And by the end of the week, I, like everyone knew everyone. Everyone was really nice. I had a million new friends. Mm-hmm. Um, only one American. Cause like how many Americans like go to Myanmar? Yeah. It was like kind of sad, but um, eye opening to contrast the me. And then this, uh, this guy was really cool. He was like 25 and he was a, a American pilot. Like he flew for like Delta, I think. Cool. And, and, uh, but we were both, it was so funny cause we were both there just for a couple of days and like you had these Belgians and like Brazilians who were like on holiday for like, you know, 40 days and just like, <laughs> I know. But, like the slow travel and, and the, yeah. versus the American mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but that, that was like one of my coolest travel experiences because, you know, I'd rather have okay accommodations and amazing friends and people than like the fanciest like champagne bottles and whatever. Um, like, like what happened when I went to Vienna, Austria, um, Mm -hmm. when I put me up in like a thousand euro per night room. Um, and I did like the spa and I did all the cool stuff. But after one day I was like really bored and I was like, I need, you know, human interaction. Yeah. I'm so happy to, uh, I'm so happy that you just said that too. This is like a message that I love to spread. And I just feel like it doesn't really resonate with people because they just feel like, well, if I have enough money to stay in a nicer place, why wouldn't I? But that's not the point. Like the point is you're going to make friends. And if, when you're, if you're traveling with somebody, fine, stay in a hotel. Like I don't usually, sometimes I stay in a hostel when I'm with a friend, but like usually we'll get an Airbnb. So I know another thing too, is that like, you can get Airbnbs that have other people living in there. And one of my friends um, <clears throat> who also lives the same lifestyle as I do, we actually work together. She doesn't like to stay in hostels, but she does stay in Airbnbs where there are other guests in the other rooms. And for her, it's like kind of a smaller scale of that social atmosphere. Yeah, And usually I, the hosts are like cool. So I love that. I love <laughs> the, I really read the reviews to just get not the nicest accommodations, but the best hosts. Yes. Like, like when I went to um, Colombia, uh, Cartagena in South America, I found this review and like they were just like raving about this woman and her young husband. And like they, they were just this amazing Venezuelan couple that actually were, they were refugees that came to Colombia. Wow. And they were so cool. The guy ran a bar. He was like a mixologist. 
And she was an artist and a fashion designer. And like when I first showed up, she's like, let's go have coffee. And she like bought me breakfast and she like took the map out and we sat for an hour and she told me about the culture. And I was just like, this is literally priceless. Like this is, you know, you can go on the national geographic tour and like have them bring in locals that they're paying all this money. Yeah. And this is like the same thing for free. Mm-hmm. And, but and yeah. Better. I like, I almost like Airbnb better sometimes with the, the host there. So you can talk to them. Yeah, that's true. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think like I'm a little bit older now, so hostels are like less and less appealing, but, uh, I mean, still also though, like I noticed that there's like, there's just different, there's different styles of hostels. Like now I like look for fancy ones and there are fancy ones out there and they might be like $5 more, but it kind of weeds out like the younger people. Um, so Yeah. Yeah, I recently was at this amazing hostel in the Azores and like Winter Islands off of Portugal. Yeah. It was literally like the best place I've ever stayed. I was in a private room and the the breakfast was at this like big communal table in the morning where they made us these delicious like vegan pancakes with like shaved coconut on top and like there was chocolate hummus and like it was amazing and you just like chatted with everybody in the morning in this beautiful garden. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, they're just, they're different ranges. I would you're just, that. you're just like jogging my mind. <laughs> so when I was in, uh, I went to Port- Portugal was like my first trip after I quit my day job. Nice. I love and Portugal. It was, yeah. It was like February of this year. So it was, uh, and, and I, st- I flew into Porto first. Um, and I stayed with this guy who just like had a two bedroom or no, he had like a four bedroom. I think he had a big apartment and he, I don't remember what he did, but he was just like, at that point it was like winter in Portugal. I didn't like research the time. Well, it was freezing, um, Oh really? but it was, it was fine. It was like that. The only reason I say that is because that's why I was the only one. It was like him and the master. And then I had one of the other three rooms mm-hmm. and, uh, I must've gotten there on a weekend or something. And he's like, Oh, do you want to get brunch? And he took me out to this like amazing Portuguese restaurant. And he's like, Oh, like my friend's going to come like just warning you. My friend is like a psycho and he's like flamboyant and he might be really rude. And I was like, no worries. And the friend showed up wearing these like six inch, like red heels. And he was like dressing up. <laughs> something. I don't know what was happening, but we had this like amazing brunch and uh, we were drinking. And then they, we just like, he's like, do you like uh, desserts? And I was like, yes. And they took me on like a bakery walking tour of Porto. And we just like for two hours, like told jokes and like went to the favorite bakeries. And I was just like, this is fun. That sounds like an amazing, amazing morning and experience. Really cool. Slightly bizarre, but mostly really fun. The more bizarre, the better though. Like that's when you get the good stories. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) his friend was hilarious. Um, but the point is, yeah, like when you, when you do that and you sort of put yourself in the situation that's maybe not as comfortable, like, Oh, if I, because I stayed one time, like in this like Hilton in Vienna and I like felt like before I got into the nice hotel where I got put up and Mm -hmm. I was just like, I just literally felt like I was still in the United States. And, um, that's what, yeah, I'm a huge fan of the hostel and the Airbnb for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Glad we're on the same page about this. <laughs> yes. um, I lost the question list. I know. Where were we? We were talking about, why are we talking about, Oh, how do I meet people? How do I make connections um, with other digital nomads when I'm traveling? 
Yeah. I mean, honestly, like it was kind of hard at the beginning, but I think it's just going to get easier and easier every year that goes by because it's going to be more and more people. Um, but for anyone who like hasn't done it before, I would definitely recommend looking into these co-living groups. Basically it's like, it's a big house that there are other people that work remotely and everyone respects the fact that you're working remotely because they're working remotely too. So during the daytime, people are like going about their business, getting their work done. And then at night or on weekends, you just have like built-in friends that are on your schedule. Um, so yeah, I would definitely recommend that. Um, or like, yeah, staying in Airbnb or joining a co-working space. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of ways. No, that's also awesome. Facebook groups. Facebook groups are so good. And Instagram, like just networking online is amazing. Yeah. Um, right. Actually, moments around the world or something. There's like a few. What's it called? I think it's called digital nomads, digital nomads around the world. There's like, there's definitely one called digital nomad girls. I don't know if you're allowed in that group, but, um, <laughs> yeah, <my friend> teaches <laughs> <me. laughs> but it's good. They're all like super active and, um, yeah, I know one of my friends like has used a couple of these groups when she like was in Santiago, Chile actually, and was like, Hey, who's around? And there were people around. So that's, that's awesome. I actually yeah. just said, so for those listening, it's called digital nomads around the world. If you just search it in Facebook and then click groups at the top, it's the top one. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's another one. It looks like digital nomads hub. I'm, I'm joining all these as we speak right Join now. All of them, but digital yeah. nomads around the world, I think is the biggest one. Yeah. There's like yeah. thousands of people. 60,000. 60, and it oh, says okay. I, I have already 91 of my Facebook friends are already in that group. Wow. You're so tuned into the network. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> um, cool. Well, that's really helpful. So the last question I wanted to ask you about was, um, so I've been like really hesitant to pull the trigger on this. Um, you said you have a tattoo. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I have two now. Yeah. They're, okay. uh, they're both really small, um, but they're like trinkets of my like life experiences. So um, I, the one on my ankle is like on the back of my ankle and it's going to be really awkward for me to show you. <laughs> so uh, yes. yeah, I'm not going to, um, but it's in Thai and uh, it says be brave in Thai. Um, the reason why it says be brave is because when I was leaving Thailand or I was like ready to leave Thailand, I was packing up all my stuff from my apartment in Bangkok and I was getting really emotional and like nostalgic and sad. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I've kept a journal, like a handwritten journal my whole life pretty much. And, um, so back in the day when I was moving to New York city for the first time ever, I was so scared, like moving to the big city and like New York, it's just, New York's an intense, scary place. Sometimes when you're like a 22 year old kid who's never really left Massachusetts. So, um, so I remember like I was in between journals, like I hadn't bought a new one and I didn't have one. And I like really needed, I just, I write in it for like self-reflection therapeutic reasons. So, um, yeah, the night before I moved to New York, I like, I like wrote this note to myself that was like, and it started with like, be brave. Everything's going to be fine. You, you decided to do this for a reason. Like this is what you wanted kind of thing. It was like a little bit of like a pep talk to myself. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, so that was a piece of paper that wasn't in a journal. So I had it folded up like and put into the new journal. Um, and when I was packing up my stuff, that 
piece of paper like fell out on the floor and it said like be brave and I was like this is gonna be my tattoo for so it's for kind of for Thailand and for New York but basically just like both experiences were experiences where I was like scared and like moving to a new place where I didn't really know anybody and they both were amazing amazing experiences and that was your first tattoo yeah the one that I fell into the river with uh, yeah (laughs) Uh, I forgot. So you, <laughs> yeah, like I got it right before I I left. <laughs> wow. And um, and and were you nervous to, for the first one? Because I, I I would imagine the second one's like a lot easier because you already have a tattoo. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I, you you were just chilling. They're like they're like this big. They're both <laughs> super like stupid small. So yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's fine. I mean, do you have any tattoos? No, no, I, I never even really considered it. But now, like, I'm I'm in a new world and I'm surrounded yeah. by like more risk takers, and it's like everyone because ha- like I used to work on Wall Street where like if someone had you a tattoo, you can't have one because we're like covered like in suits. Right. Um, but I would imagine that if you stripped us all down, you wouldn't find many. Um, yeah. Whereas uh, now, and it's not just like oh, everyone else has one. It's more just like I feel like I've always wanted one, but now that I'm surrounded by people who have actually done it, it's like it feels like okay, like you know, it's, I, I can do this now. Um, I'm making like too big of a deal out of it. I could no, understand. I I actually I I love the thought process behind it because yeah. um, first of all, the first one is like it is a big deal because you go from a person that doesn't have a tattoo to a person that has a tattoo, and like yeah. somehow that like says something about who you are and like what you're yeah. going to do and. Yeah, um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. Also, like I, for me, not only was that like a transition of like being a person that didn't have a tattoo to to a person that does have a tattoo, like it's not that big of a deal. Anyone who like has a lot of tattoos is going to be like, you're so lame. But, um, (laughs) but it, but it is a little, for me, it was like symbolic of like an experience that I had and that was super life changing and personally changed. Like i grew into a different person and um I don't know I love having it there as something that I can always remember who I was at that moment that I got it and like what my thought process behind getting it was Mm -hmm. um so yeah I mean I don't have a tattoo just like just to have a tattoo which I think is a which is different um some people have beautiful body art as tattoos and like I respect that as well Mm-hmm. Not necessarily my style. Mine are more souvenirs that I can't lose or fall in. Yeah, lose in the yeah. river. <laughs> <laughs> now that's cool. I, I really like what you said about uh, the journaling too, because I uh, I journal a lot. And for some of the listeners out there, my listeners are probably already know that I, I'm big into introspection, and it helps me especially connect with like with my feelings because that's something that you know in my previous life of finance is it's something that often just goes uh it, it just doesn't happen and then you have all these like angry bitter people in new york city and so anger is that core emotion but there's really it's not really anger it's fear and sadness and frustration mm-hmm. and those things that aren't being uncovered which a journal can help facilitate and um so one thing that's helped me is i actually use the uh, voice memos app on my iphone and mm-hmm. i'll like a voice journal and it's really interesting you know like four minutes just like this is what happened today this is how I felt this is how I feel now um 
and, and the value is not only expressing your emotions and getting it out for someone who might not be able to sit down and have the patience to write it out on the full journal, um, but the value is really to be able to reference back to that and, and to read, to hear the words, but also to hear your tone. And, mm. and it's really cool because I can now, I've been doing this about a year. I can pull up um, journals from, I'm like literally walking on random streets in Vietnam and I'm talking oh. about, uh, I'm, I'm, you hear me? <laughs> I like regret so much not having this idea earlier. This is amazing. Oh. Sorry. Well, well yeah, <laughs> I mean, you can start it now. And uh, I will. It's just, one thing that it's really helped me with is um, I've had a lot of anxiety around starting my own business and um, I've, I've really overcome a lot of perfectionism and a lot of um, fear uh, and, and a lot of different feelings. And it's so funny because to have the ability, because it's now December and I started this business really earlier this year, to be able to hear myself in March freaking out and like really scared and really afraid over something that at the time I thought was a very big deal. But to go back and be like, that was such a small, like, you know, the font on a website or my email list being down for a couple hours when I like had, you know, 10 people on my email list anyway. And, and what it does is it helps me because right now I'm actually, you know, just this past day, I've been really uh, anxious because I run Facebook advertisements and Facebook has been changing their policies and my ads are now down for a few days. And that's like, how I really make a lot of money. I'm really monetized because I sell right now I have an online Instagram course that teaches people how to grow their Instagram account. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I've been like freaking out and it's just what I do is I remind myself, you know, Brendan, it's, you're afraid. And then you do like one thing that Tim Ferriss taught me, he wrote the four hour work week. Uh, he says, do this exercise called what's the worst that could happen. And you could even do this like when you're thinking about a big move or a big life decision, you literally take a piece of paper and he's actually turned this into something uh, even better, which is called fear setting, where he's got three, you make like, uh, you got three columns and the first is like, what's the worst that could happen? The second is uh, prevent. And then the third column is how to rehabilitate. So in the first column, so like, let's take an example of your, maybe someone is, who's listening is maybe really wants to go move to Thailand and do what you did, but they're really afraid. The first column you can do, what's the worst that could happen? You can be like, I get there and I don't get a job, you know, and nobody likes me. I have no friends, but you, and you make the list and, and the, obviously what's going to happen, the spoiler alert is it's going to be way less bad than whatever you think. Yeah. Cause we think that if we take this crazy risk or we do this insane thing that like we're going to like everyone's going to make fun of us and then we're going to like die. Like like if what's really going to happen in the worst case scenario is like, you know, it doesn't it's not as fun. It doesn't go as planned. You know, you're lonely for a few days and you're yeah. sad and you want to yeah. call your mom and you're embarrassed to call your mom. Yeah. <laughs> to failure. Yeah, you're a failure at life because like this small thing didn't work out. But then the next column is really cool. It's called prevent. And so you can say, what are all the things that I could do now to prevent that from happening? I could join the Facebook groups. I could like be more social. Mm -hmm. I could start looking for jobs before I even get there, you know? And then you start to realize not only is it not as scary as you thought, the worst case scenario is not going to be as bad, but you have a million things that you could do to, you know, maximize the probability that it goes really well. And then the last column is called rehabilitate 
which means let's say you get to Thailand and on your first day you fall in whatever the biggest Thai river is and you lose all your money and everyone makes fun of you and then you can't get a job. Okay, how do you rehabilitate that? You can come back home. You can get probably the same, if not better job than you had before. And so you realize if even if everything does go wrong and you couldn't prevent it, you're still, you know, you can bounce back really easily and there's really no reason not to take that risk. Yep. I love that. I, I kind of feel like that's something that I sort of like have that thought process already or like that's like a tool that I've used, but not necessarily known that it was like a definitive thing. Um, you just gave me so many cool ideas for how I'm going to continue living my life and like recording my travels. Um, do you, sorry, just real quick question. When you do the voice memos, do you get like a transcripted version of it? Um, I could, so I don't like, so there are two different things you can do. One is you can actually do like an audio, uh, recording, which is just like the audio file of it. The other thing that you, I suppose you could do, because I dictate a lot of like my emails, for example, for work, it's just like mm-hmm. a product hack yeah. and you can actually just talk and then the text shows up. Um, so I suppose you could do that for a journal as well. And then you have the written, um, yeah. the other, the other thought, and I don't know, like, you know, your privacy concerns, I don't know what you write about in your journal, but I've had a lot of um, people transcribe things for me through, there's a website I like called Fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R.com. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's a good idea. And like, for example, yeah. because my new, so I have the the Instagram course, which teaches people digital marketing mm-hmm. and how to and monetize it. But the new course that I just finished shooting that it's going to launch in the new year is uh, called Mastering Life. And it's like a personal development course all about, um, you know, happiness, emotions, meaning, meditation, the mind, creating your life vision and clarifying your purpose. And um, I have a section on meditation and I actually lead a couple of guided meditations in there. And to get some ideas, I pulled some uh, really great meditations that I love. And I had people on Fiverr transcribe the audio into text for me. And it cost like five bucks for like thousands of words. So wow. if you, you wanted, you could also, that's a third option. I'm just yeah, kidding. that's a really good idea. Because I love, I love the idea of having the, the like when, when you just said like walking down the streets of Vietnam, I like got this amazing vision of like me being in Vietnam and I wish that I had that. Yeah. Um, but I also love being able to flip back through the pages and like being able to read the things. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, I, uh, I'm going to have to start doing that, making it a bit more dynamic in 2018. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, so, just yeah. Something, something to keep in mind. Um, yeah, very cool. Well, so, uh, thanks so much for coming on. Where can people find you? Like your Instagram, if people want to get in touch and stuff. Yeah, they should, um, find me at Krista Bella travels. That's C H R I S T A B E L L A travels. Um, awesome. yeah, people reach out to me all the time, like asking about just questions about my life or like where I'm going and stuff. And I'm always really, really happy to answer. So um, anyone that's listening, don't hesitate to reach out and ask whatever. Awesome. And uh, my DMs. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And last question is what's, uh, what's on the travel list for this upcoming year? Um, so I'm going to Belfast on Friday <clears throat> and that's to like meet up with my friends from Thailand. And then, um, I'm going to go do one of these co-living things in South Africa in Cape Town in February. And I'm so excited. I'm 
like I can't even believe how excited I am. Uh, the cheapest flight to get there from Europe happened to have been Ireland. So I'm just going to hang out in Ireland for three weeks until that flight, because why not? Awesome. Um, someone's at my door. I'm just going to put them in. Okay. <laughs> who who knows if I edit this out? Maybe I'll keep mm. this in. Um, I can see your chihuahua. <laughs> um, so are you, is that through Wi-Fi Tribe? Yeah, I'm, I'm joining Wi-Fi Tribe. Now I like know so many people that have done it and stuff. And they have a fun Slack channel that also is like great for networking too. Like anyone that's ever joined one of their chapters is on there. So there's like hundreds of other digital nomads that I can be in constant communication with. And it's much more like intimate, close group. So yeah, I, w- I would be open to traveling with other companies too. It just... I just no, I was just curious because I pulled up this website when you mentioned it, it looked really cool and I saw South Africa. So I was just wondering. Oh yeah, I'm going there and I cannot wait. And I plan on taking like a week off after because um, I'll be working the whole time. Yeah. Which is going to be crazy with the time difference. It's going to be the biggest one. Yeah, I'll be working from 4 p.m. until midnight, Monday through Friday, but mm-hmm. I can do it. And it's going to be an adjustment, but it's fine. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to take a week off of work so I can be off the grid and like go to Namibia or somewhere else. And I can't wait. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. It's been very inspiring to me. I'm sure the listeners as well. And I really appreciate your honesty and sharing some of these stories and experiences. (laughs) But thanks again so much for coming on. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Bye everyone. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Adventure Days podcast. You can see more at AdventureDays.com, D-A-Z-E, or directly in the podcast app. Thanks again and have a great day.